Welcome to Chase the Vase podcast, where we share stories about those who have fought to overcome addiction. Join us every Tuesday and Thursday for the latest stories, tools, and tricks to sobriety. Now, here's your host, Brock Bevel. Hey, good afternoon. I'm here with Conrad Weaver. Welcome to Chase the Vase podcast. I'm honored to have you on here. This man is a filmmaker. I asked him, how do you intro a guy like you, man? And, and I think it would take me 30 minutes to read your bio. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for, first of all, for having me. I feel honored to be on your show and to tell my story in a way, and which is the story of stories that I like to tell. And so, you know, I can kind of dive right in if you want. I, I'm a filmmaker. I produce video content and I like to tell stories that matter. You know, there's a lot of filmmakers out there that tell stories and sometimes they're just you know for you know they're, they're trying to make money make you know and, and i am too obviously you know this is why i do this but i really feel that if i can get behind a story that really resonates with me it'll resonate with other people and in stories that matter the first documentary film i produced was called the great american wheat harvest and I was literally, it came about, I was reading a blog about these harvesters who travel across the country and they harvest wheat and they take their families and their dog and their tractors and combines and they travel, you know, from Texas to Montana harvesting wheat. And I was reading this blog and my wife looked over my shoulder and she said, you should make a movie about that. And I was like, man, that's a fantastic idea. Little did she know that you know it was going to change our life in a way because now we have these amazing friends all across the wheat belt from Texas to Montana. And we made a film. I, I first took my kids and my wife and my nephew in an RV and we went to South Dakota. And they were like, what are we doing in South Dakota? I said, we're going to meet with wheat harvesters. And we started shooting this film. And over the course of three years, I produced a documentary that ended up winning a you know, pretty major award you know, won a, a regional Emmy award and played on PBS around the country. And, and, you know, I played in theaters. We were in about 60 theaters around the country. I'm just a little filmmaker, you know, I'm just, just a well, tiny little film. Well, what's funny is that like, that's your background, right? Being a farmer. That's, that's yeah, your I grew background. Up, I grew up on a dairy farm. Yeah. And so I'm sure all of my listeners like, what, what in the heck do you have this Conrad <laughs> Weaver on your show for, right? He's a farmer and, and now he's, he's a talking farmer. about PTSD. Right? He knows nothing about addiction. <laughs> he knows nothing about PTSD. What is the connection here? And so I, I am really excited about, about sharing this, about uh, some of our personal friends have yeah. have reached out to me and said, man, you got to talk to this guy. He's got a great vibe, a great story. And so I really, I want to jump in. Like, what do you know about T PTSD? How, how, how did you go from a, a farmer sure. to this realm to, yeah. to first responders? Yeah. Well, you know, going back before I was a filmmaker, I actually worked in a, a variety of jobs. I have a degree in psychology. I went to school, you know, I thought I was going to go to medical school. That didn't pan out so well, but so I went and got a degree in psychology and I worked in a psychiatric hospital for three and a half years. You know, I worked in the mental health field for a while when I was just out of school. And then I went into some other things. I actually worked for a church and that's where I got, kind of got involved in media production and started doing videos and stuff. And so how I got from farm films. So my first two films were agriculture films, The Great American Wheat Harvest and Thirsty Land. And both of those took me away from the family, took me traveling across, across the country for weeks at a time. And so I was really looking for something to stay local. In 2016, the opioid crisis was just raging across the country. And then it started hitting my friends locally here. And so I said, you know what, this is my next story. And so I dove into telling the story of the opioid crisis in a film called Heroin's Grip. I spent two years of my life hanging out with people I never thought I'd 
I'd hang out with. You know, arresting people doing dope, you know, doing, you know, doing ride-alongs, doing, you know, riding with the fire and EMS services, you know. And then the one day I was called, we were, I was riding with an officer and we were called to a fatal overdose scene. And I had never experienced that before. I was, I'm a civilian. I don't, you know, I'm not a first responder. And I walked into this house and there's total chaos going on. Mom was screaming in the living room. Her daughter lay dead in the bathroom. And I came out of that driving home that afternoon was like, holy cow, what did I just see? What did I just experience? And that whole scene, you know, obviously I, I was very careful not putting that in my film. I, we, I, we showed some things, but we didn't, you know, show things, you know. All I mean. right, Conrad, hold on. Let me, let me back up. I'm going to stop you right now. Man, you just like opened up a can because I just put myself in that scene. I've, I've been to that scene. I've yeah. been there. I've, I've seen it as a first mm -hmm. responder, man, as a, I mean, I ran a, a clinic, I ran a, a recovery program where I had a guy that that went out on us as well. And so, not being a first responder, I want to know. I know I want to know where your head went. Like, what were you thinking at that moment? I was really thinking. You know, I wanted to tell a story, and that was why I was doing ride-alongs. I was, you know, I spent days riding with sheriff's department and other police departments and fire and EMS just so I could experience what they experience. And because I wanted to see, I wanted to tell the story of addiction and recovery from their perspective as well. And so I wanted to experience that. And, you know, unfortunately I did, I, I experienced it, you know, the, the raw reality of, of someone who was using for a long time and they took one too many and they didn't survive. That, Man, was, that so, was hard. So listen to this. I'm, I'm hearing you, Conrad. And unfortunately, as first responders, we see addiction, right? We never see recovery. Yeah. You know, we see one side of the opioid epidemic. And I know you said it started in 2016. I think it's worse today. Oh, yeah, I, sure I think it 2021, it's, sure. it's, it's everywhere. The fentanyl, the crisis. Yeah. And, and so I, I appreciate you being a civilian checking this out. Did it rock your world? Did it, did it, it change your it thoughts? It did. And I mean, I've seen stuff before. I mean, I worked in the psychiatric hospital, so I've seen a lot, you know, I, but I have not seen this. I've not seen that, you know, when you walk in there and the paraphernalia is laying there and, you know, the track marks in the arm and, and, you, and this body is laying there cold and lifeless. It's a shocking experience for someone who doesn't see that every day. And coming out of that, driving home, my thoughts were directly to those first responders, those officers, those paramedics who were there. And I thought, holy cow, these people see this every stinking day. And then they see scenes that are way worse than this. Yeah. And I thought, how does this impact them? And that was really my journey, the beginning point of my journey to work on my next film, which is PTSD 911. It was like, okay, this is, so whenever I'm in the middle of one film, I'm always looking forward to what's next seeing, okay, what's on the horizon. I keep, I watch the news. I read the news daily just so I can keep up with what's going on in the culture. And so when I experienced this, I was like, okay, what's going on with post-traumatic stress with our first responders? So I did a bunch of research, discovered, holy cow, this is a huge issue as we know. And so then my next step is, well, let's see what other films have been made about this subject. I got pretty much a big old goose egg on this. Not a lot. There's been a lot of films on on returning veterans. Tons of films, ton, ton of important stories. As we know, it's a huge crisis. But there's been very little done on first responders as a whole. And so I actually talked to the officer who I was with that day. And she ended up, she's actually the officer who's in my trailer. If you've seen my trailer and you see, hear her talking about, I was, I was afraid to raise my hand and ask for help because I was afraid I was going to lose my job. 
That's the officer I was with when I was on this fatal overdose scene. So I called her and said, I said, is this a thing? Is this a, a subject that I should be talking about? And she was like, Conrad, I'll do anything I can to help tell my story and to help you tell this story. Yeah. And so I, I was like, you know what? I threw my hat over the fence and now I got to go chase it and I got to make a movie. And so the more I dove into this subject, the more I uncovered, it's like an onion. It just kind of keeps unraveling. And I see more and more you know, with, so I was talking to our local fire, a president of our local fire department here. It's a volunteer station. And I was talking to him and he was like, well, have you considered, you know, 911 dispatchers? I was like, really wasn't on my radar. Tell me about that. And so he said, well, I'm a dispatcher and we experience many of the same symptoms that first responders do on the scene. And I said, why is that? He said, well, we imagine it in our head and then we don't get the closure often. You know, when that we hand that off to the officers or to the, the medics, whatever, we don't get the closure. And so I'm including, so fire, EMS, 911 dispatch, and law enforcement, those four agency types in my film. And we're doing a deep dive. And I like to say that whenever I make a film, I take a deep dive into the culture, into, I get to know the people, they get to know me. I know, you know, back when I was working on the Great American Wheat Harvest, you know, farmers are kind of skeptical of Hollywood as they should be. And so when I showed up with my camera, they're like, eh, don't say anything, you know, because this guy around with a camera but after they got to know me and realized that i'm just another guy and i'm kind of like them they relax and after a while it was like oh conrad's here don't worry about him he's, he's cool you know and so that's kind of relationship i build with my subjects and i end up laughing with them and crying with them i ended up you know feeling what they feel and that's what i'm doing with this film i'm really diving deep and there's some amazing stories that we're uncovering with this film. So, so I don't want to give the film away because I want you to keep that. But what I want to know is from an observer, from your point of view, first of all, do you believe PTSD is real? Absolutely. And is there, is there a way that us outside of the, the thin blue line, the red line, the, the dispatchers, is there a way for us to, I mean, because I am. I am a police officer. I'm a, I'm a retired police officer. Mm -hmm. I still feel like I'm a part of that. I mean, I went through mm -hmm. it with them. But do you think that there's a way that we can really break this stigma and make a change in helping these men and women? Well, I certainly hope so, because that's one of my goals for this film. So I have three goals. One is to, to raise awareness, to let the general public like me, people like me, know and understand what first responders go through. Because you guys, you put your lives on the line. You, you put aside your family. You put aside everything to go take care of our emergencies. What the public doesn't understand is it's every single day. And it's yes. not just one call. It's not just one baby death or not just one family that all die in one vehicle. This is constant over and over. And you have to regroup to go to the next call to be ready to make the right decision as soon as it happens. Like there's no grace period. Right. You know, and as I got into this, I got to thinking, you know, I picked up the phone and dialed 911 before. And now I'm thinking, I really hope the people who, first of all, answer the phone and those who respond to my emergency are healthy because they got to make decisions in my emergency that's going to affect me. That's going to affect other people. And I really hope that they're healthy. And back to your question, is it possible? Well, PTSD, PTSI, you know, post-traumatic stress injury are real, but there is a way to break that stigma, but it's going to take a heck of a lot of work from all of us, including the general public, people like me, so that we can, if I better understand that my neighbor across the street, he's a sheriff's deputy, if I better understand what he's going through and he talks to me about the stuff he's going through and I can support him. I mean, just little things like I told him one night, I said, you know, when I see your patrol car not 
in the driveway, I just say a prayer for you because I know you're out there and you're facing who knows what. But Conrad, I, I love, I love the fact that you're they're shedding a light on it. But in my opinion, by being on the other side, I think it starts with us. I believe yeah. it starts in-house, yeah. you know, and, and I've shared this story, to, you know, before, but, but I always, I was just a chameleon. When I went into briefing, you know, when the question would come up, hey, how are you doing? I would wait to see how the officers with time on, how they would respond, right? I mean, we saw the same things the night before. We were on the same calls. Mm -hmm. I, I saw that body burn up. Right. And I'm looking at it. I'm like thinking to myself, man, I'm not okay. Right. But I got to be at work tomorrow. And not only that, I got to clear this call out and then take the next call. Yeah. Right. And then we come to briefing the next day and they, and the sergeant throws it out there. Hey, how's everybody doing? I'm looking at them like, man, what are they going to say? If they say, if they raise their hand and say, man, I'm struggling, I'm backing them up. But never, ever does that happen because we're looked at as, hey, man, this guy, this guy can't be trusted. Yeah. He's weak. He's going to break. He's going to be the guy that turns on us. Yeah. And so it's so difficult. Like you walk that fine line yeah. of that heroism and the, hey man, that real life struggle. So to that, my, so my first goal is to raise awareness. Second goal is to help break the stigma. And I think one way you do that, it starts with leadership. If you have a leader, if you have a chief, if you have an assistant chief, if you have someone in command that makes this a priority, it will trickle down to the troops because if the leader makes mental wellness and mental health a priority. Like I've seen, there's there are agencies in our country that are doing amazing things. In fact, I'm going to talk to one chief here this week who's out of California, who I'll be out there next week. I'll be interviewing him if all the ducks come in a row, you know, uh, that he's doing amazing things, but, but he's at the top of the list because he makes wellness and mental health a priority for him and then for his agency. So it starts there. But if you have a chief, if you have leadership, if you have, you know, if you have command staff that aren't there yet, you are responsibility to start with yourself. There's yeah. things that every person can do to maintain that health. And I'm not a first responder. I'm not an officer. So I don't understand all the details of that. But I've talked to enough people who are in the middle of their stuff that say, you know what? My first responsibility is me. And I've got to take care of me. So many times, officers, medics, other are not getting enough sleep. They're wasting time on stuff when they should be sleeping and getting the rest that they need. Maybe it's, you know, family stuff. And I, I get that. You know, my friend that, that's local here, you know, he's working swing shifts, which is just a killer. And it's proven, scientifically proven to be a bad thing to do to have swing shifts. But yet they still do it. 85% of his agency voted to not have swing shifts. And yet the command staff said, screw you, we're going to have swing shifts. That's a torture that we use in the military, right? Is keep yeah. people awake, sleep deprivation. Let's keep right. people awake. And yet we're doing that on our own. And so if you have a command staff that's not there, start with yourself and then rally your people around you, your, your, your co-workers around you to say, hey, we're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to make it okay to say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of not good today. Uh, can you help me out? And we got to start having that conversation and be, you know, man up, so to speak, and say, you know what? Yeah, it's okay not to be okay. There's that double-edged sword. There's that no. double-edged sword, especially, you know, in law enforcement, in first re as a first responder. Like if I speak, I'm scared to speak up. I don't know what people are going to think of me. 
you know, and it does. How, it absolutely, you know, my question back is how important is your future? Man, when you're in it, it's hard to see that, you know, when you're in it, when every day and you're showing up and suiting up, it's rough. And then you're looking around at these other guys and, they're, and you're thinking in your mind, man, they should be feeling it too. And then you kind of start getting this psychological war- warfare where what are they doing in their lives to keep themselves straight? And, but you have no idea the mental anguish that they're going through as yeah. well. Right. But you're, you're still just looking at them and that's their, that's your role model. So right? here's why. So that's why I'm making this film. Love it. Because I'm the outsider looking in, looking at these scenarios. So what we've interviewed, you know, a numbers of people we've talked to a bunch of people. And what we want to do is we want to highlight those case studies of people who are doing it right. Amazing. There's a firefighter in, An- in Anaheim that we're working with, Matty Fiorenza. Just he interviewed is, him. Love that guy. He's a rock star. He's a rock star in the fire community. And we're going to be featuring him in our film because he's doing it. He went to the point of suicide. He went to the brink and his chief pulled him off the ledge pretty much and said, you need to go get help. Well, there's two things you're going to see is suicide and addiction skyrocketing. Right. Right. Those, those are signs. I mean, not, not suicide because that's the finality, but, right. but even the communication of it and sharing that. And those are important to highlight. I love it. I'm so, I'm, and Maddie, what a great guy. Yeah. And we're working with other people like him. You know, we were up, I was up in Boston last week interviewing a, and spending time with a 911 dispatcher who was on the Boston Marathon bombing call. And she was on a police involved shooting where one of her officers got shot. And she was the primary on that call. We ended up going out to the street where this incident happened. She had never been there. And when she was standing there, Looking at the scene of where this happened six years ago, she was like, oh my goodness, I never imagined how this looked. And she said, and you know what? The anniversary is tomorrow. And it was such a powerful thing. So we have these people, but now she's in a really good place and she's doing amazing things and reaching back and helping the next person up. And so we want to tell those stories of people who have been to the brink are now doing what is needed and necessary to help not only themselves, but to help their fellow you know, workers to survive and to thrive. Because we want, I want that officer watching this film. I want that firefighter, that dispatcher, that EMT watching this film. I want them to say, man, if he can do it, if she can do it, I can do it. And then the the third goal we have for this film is to inspire change in agencies, which is probably the hardest thing to do from what I've learned from, you know, agent people don't like to change. They don't like where they're at, but they don't want to change. You're so right. (laughs) And so one of my goals is for that chief to be watching this film and to see this chief in Anaheim or this chief in someplace else doing all these things. In fact, we're going to be at Cal Fire next week. And we're going to be filming these uh, fire chiefs and assistant chiefs doing yoga. And they're learning to do yoga so they can take it back to their agency and teach their members to do yoga for mental wellness. Cal Fire has a, has got it going on. They have a uh, an assistant chief or some, some real high level guy that he's in charge of wellness for the state of California for Cal Fire. And they are just making this a priority because they know if their people aren't well, then they can't do their job right. And then the stuff ends up on the evening news. And so my goal is to inspire those leaders to say, you know what, we need to man up. We need to do what's right for our people. Then not only the, the chiefs and the people that are directly responsible, but then for those community leaders that pay the bills, right? The city leaders that plan the budgets to say, you know what, we need to put more money in the budgets so that our officers, so that our firefighters have the resources to be well. Love because that. man, you first responders, you take care of our communities. And if you're not well, how can our communities be safe and healthy? Yeah, I think that's the thing that we, we have to break as well is, is 
that's all they see on the news. That's all we see on the news is the negative. Yeah. Right. right? And that's one of the bad parts about the stigmas is right now there's such a negative, just black cloud over, over it. And so by educating, by seeing your film, seeing what they go through, man, just to give them a little insight. So what was your takeaway after ride, doing a ride along with the fire and police officer? What was your takeaway and your thoughts uh, about first responders? So I live in a really small town in Maryland. We have an all volunteer fire station and I'm privileged to, I got the little, I am responding app and I can go on, on rides with them whenever the alarm goes off. And so here in our small town, like I did last night at four 30 this morning, the siren went off. And so they were hopping out of bed, running down to the station, jumping on a truck and going, taking care of business. So my thoughts are you men and women do amazing things. You sacrifice time with your families. I'm sleeping in my bed, my comfortable bed. And you know, the middle of winter, I remember one Christmas morning, the siren goes off and the fire station empties, you know, it's Christmas and I'm time with my family, but no, they were off taking care of someone's emergency. And that's what you do because you love the job. You love the work. You love the service. You love to help others. And that needs to be honored. And that to me is a hero's job that you make those sacrifices, sacrifices that we don't even know about to take care of our communities. And we must take care of our first responders. We must do everything we can to support them, to provide resources for them, to encourage them so that they can have a healthy life. You, you deserve to have a healthy life, to have a healthy job environment, to have a healthy you know, mental wellness. You, you deserve that because of the sacrifices that you make and the work that you do. And we can no longer sit on the sidelines and say, you know what, you know, screw the cops or whatever. We can't do that anymore because we must have first responders to take care of our communities. And, and so it's my goal to, to rock the world in, in this with this and to make a difference for all first responders, not only here in the U.S., but around the world. Well, you're on a mission, Conrad. I love that, man. So the, the show is called PTSD 911. When do, when do you think it's coming out? Well, it kind of depends on funding, but uh, we're our, our goal right now is to have it done and be released uh, in early release next spring, so 2022. So we started production officially two weeks ago and uh, with a little bit of money that, I mean, we just raised a tiny bit of money compared to what we need, but uh, we're going to do with what we have to make a film. And uh, if anyone feel so inclined to support us. We'd love to have the support. They can go to our website, make a donation there. And, or if you have an organization that you want to come on as a sponsor in a larger way, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, there's lots of opportunities to, because this film will be seen by the world and it's going to get a lot of publicity and a lot of visibility. And if you want to be tied to that, then come join us and help us tell this story. But in the meantime, we're doing production. I'm going out to California for a week next week and uh, looking forward to telling those stories and connecting with people. And if anyone's listening and, and I don't know when this is going to come out, but if, uh, uh, you know, if you follow us on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter, uh, sign up for our, uh, Actually, if you sign up for our emails, go to our website, ptsd911movie.com, and you sign and you subscribe to our email list, I'll send you a coupon code to save 25% on the streaming premiere. So the tickets for the streaming premiere will be $19.95, but if you want to save about five bucks, sign up for our emails and I'll send you a coupon code to get that. And those emails will come you know, once or once or every week or once every other week, and I won't spam you at all, but you'll get uh, some additional stuff you know, through that. So I encourage Lovely. people to... Yeah, the reason I had you on is because I stand behind your mission, your your goal. I mean, those are those are valiant, man. I'm also want to help men and women out there who are struggling with PTSD, with addiction. I mean, that's my that's what 
what happened with me is I, I went into the depths of hell of addiction and PTSD and God blessed me with 11 years of sobriety today. So I understand, I, I definitely understand what these men and women are going through. I support your cause. I hope we get the story out quick. If they want to donate or they want to learn more, it is PTSD911movie.com. Yep. Okay. And if they want to reach out, they can donate through that. They can find you on Facebook, Instagram. Before you leave, Conrad, in the meantime, we have a year till this movie comes out. Mm-hmm. What's Give us some advice, man. What we can do as the general population of how we can help reduce and, and smash the stigma of PTSD in our communities. Man, make friends with a first responder. Get out there and, and make friends with them and tell them th- that you support them and you're thinking about them. And when they're gone and working at night or whenever it is, you know, let them know, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you. And I, I'm, I'm here for you. If you need anything, let me know. You know, my my friend across the street here, we're always back and forth with them. We're taking them stuff and, and just supporting them because we know that, you know, dad's gone a lot and he's he's out, you know, chasing bad guys and doing whatever, you know, sheriff deputies do in our county. And we got to take care of their family. So we're helping them and and supporting them. That's what you need to do. If you have a volunteer fire station, like so many of them are, they're always raising money. Go eat their barbecue or whatever they're doing to, to raise money. Help them out and help make a difference because they need it. And, and many of those volunteer places, man, they're not getting paid. You know, they're jumping on a truck at two in the morning, going putting out a fire or, or you, know, you know, showing up on a, on a car accident and they're not getting paid for it. And so they deserve our support for sure. And of course, many, many others are, are paid for it, but uh, we got to support them all. Yeah, I appreciate Appreciate that. We're blessed to have Conrad Weaver on the Chase to Vase podcast. I will hope you would uh, go and like and subscribe and tune in and donate to both these uh, these awesome venues, the Chase Vase.com and PTSD 911 movie, correct? Correct. Yeah. So go ahead and donate. You know, really just trying to smash the stigma of PTSD amongst first responders. We think you for paying attention to this and keep chasing the base till next time. Thank you, Conrad. And thank you for having me. You've been listening to chase the vase podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify anchor or Apple podcast to get new fresh weekly episodes. For more information, please follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, or visit our website, chase the until next time. Keep chasing the vase.